Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! ...with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. So, this week we are covering the episode that I was supposed to be covering when I uploaded the wrong picture, and that is of the Great London Beer Flood. Now, some of you may know this story, Um, Londoners may know it, Uh, anyone from the UK may know it. Um, For those of you not from London or not from the UK... I'm not sure this is something you will have heard of. So the London Beer Flood was an accident at Moe & Co. Horseshoe Brewery in London on the 17th of October, 1814. And I'll give you a little bit of background information. So in the early 19th century, the Moe Brewery was one of the two largest in London. In 19, sorry, 19, I'm going to do this all episode. In 1809, Sir Henry Moe purchased the Horseshoe Brewery at the junction of Tottenham Court Road and Oxford Street. Okay. For those of you who don't know, they are pretty much the most famous roads in central London right now. Tottenham Court Road and Oxford Street are the roads that hold such shops as Hamley's, Harrods, uh, these are the top top west end shopping area right now back in the 1800s this was a brewery so not as uh, not as posh as it is right now uh, but mo father mo's father sir richard mo had previously co-owned the griffin brewery in liquor pond street which is now uh clerkenwell or crackenwell street um so he is far so he's come from a a family of brewers uh, this had constructed the largest vat in London so a vat is um, like a housing unit I suppose is the best way of, of saying it um, and this was capable of holding 20,000 imperial barrels I say imperial because this is Britain we're talking about unlike the last episode where you would have used a different system for your gallons at the UK. This is Imperial Barrels. Henry Moe emulated his father's large vat and constructed a wooden vessel 22 feet uh, or 6.7 metres tall 
capable of holding 18,000 imperial barrels. This vat was also supported by 81 metric tons of iron hoops and Mo brewed only porter, okay, which is a dark beer that was first brewed in London and it was the most popular alcoholic drink in the capital at that time. Mo and Co brewed 102,493 barrels in 12 months up to July 1812. Porter was left in the large vessel to mature for several months or up to a year for the best quality versions. So much like alcohol at the time, the longer it was left, the better it is and I suppose that's that's true in today's age you tend to find with whiskey uh, rum certain wines and things like that the longer they're left the better they are don't think that's really the same for beer especially not nowadays but I can say this was a different time um, at the rear of the horseshoe brewery ran New Street a small cul-de-sac that joined onto Diet Street and this was within the St. Giles Rookery. The rookery, which covered an area of eight acres, was perpetually decaying slum, seemingly always on the verge of social and economic collapse. So this was a pretty run-down area of London that was just behind where this brewery was. And that's interesting, because like I said, when you look at Tottenham Court Road and Oxford Street now... It's a completely different area, and it has definitely improved quite a lot. So, with them having a pretty shitty, you know, estate behind them, it's quite a quite a strange thing. But anyway, the seventeenth of October, eighteen fourteen, at around four thirty in the afternoon, George Crick, Moe's storehouse clerk, saw one of the seven hundred pounds iron bands around the vat had slipped the 22 foot tall vessel was filled to within 4 inches of the top with 3,555 imperial barrels of 10 month old porter weighing approximately 33 tons as bands slipped off the vats 2 or 3 times a year Crick was unconcerned he told his supervisor about the problem and was told that no harm whatever would ensure. In other words, it's going to be fine. This happens quite a lot. Don't worry about it. Crick was told to write off a note to Mr. Young, one of the partners, to have it fixed later. An hour later, however, the hoop fell off. Crick was standing on a platform 30 feet or 9.1 metres from the vat, holding the note to Mr. Young when the vessel, with no indication, burst. The force of the liquid's release knocked the stopcock from the neighbouring vat, which also began discharging its contents. Several hogsheads of porter were destroyed and their contents added to the flood between 128,000 and 323,000 imperial gallons were released the force of the liquid destroyed the rear wall of the brewery 
it was 25 feet or 7.6 meters high and two and a half bricks thick so this was not a little wall that it knocked down this was fucking huge and the force of this beer destroyed the wall some of the bricks from the back wall were knocked upwards and fell onto the roofs of houses in nearby Great Russell Street, which obviously damaged those houses as well. A wave of porter 15 feet or 4.6 metres high swept into New Street, where it destroyed two houses and badly damaged two others. In one of the houses was a four-year-old girl, Hannah Bamfield, who was having her tea with her mother, and another child the wave of beer swept the mother and second child into the street but hannah was killed in the second house a wake was being held by an irish family for a two-year-old boy Anne savile the boy's mother and four other mourners mary mulvey and her three-year-old son elizabeth smith and caroline sorry catherine butler were also killed Eleanor Cooper, a 14-year-old servant of the publican at the, the publican the Tavistock Arms in Great Russell Street, also died when she was buried under the brewery's collapsed wall while washing pots in the yard. Another child, Sarah Bates, was found dead in another house in New Street, and the land around the building was low-lying low and flat, with insufficient drainage. The beer flowed into many cellars which were inhabited by people who were forced to climb onto furniture to avoid drowning. So this time in London, many people actually lived underground. So if you couldn't afford to buy a house or whatever, you rented a room under someone else's house. And a lot of people ended up living in cellars, you know, underground. And there would be families. It wouldn't just be like one person and his mate living under there. You'd have families of five or six kids and two adults living under um, under a, a someone's cellar. Um, all of those in the brewery survived, although three men had to be rescued, which I find very strange considering, but it's very weird how things like that happen i remember when i went to new york for example um and i did the 9-11 tour and obviously had a look at, at uh, ground zero and i remember someone saying that the church directly opposite um one of the world trade centers actually never got a single speck of dust on it it was just completely avoided of any of anything um, and things like that, you know, stuff like that does actually happen. It's very strange. Uh, like in this instance, I find it very strange that the people who were working in the brewery just completely, uh, you know, escaped death. A couple of days after, so we're going to talk after the disaster now, um, stories arose of hundreds of people collecting beer <laughs> um, from the street. Um, there was mass drunkenness and a lot of death from alcohol poisoning a few days later so although the initial handful of people actually died um it's estimated that hundreds um, of people actually died from this disaster a lot of them from their own fault you know going out and collecting dirty beer off the street but this was a 
bad time in London. This was a poor area and free beer isn't something you're going to really turn down. Um, The brewing historian Martin Cornell states that the newspapers of the time made no reference to the revelry or the later death. Instead, the newspapers reported that crowds were well behaved. Now, this is very different to today's news. Today's news will will quite happily berate the poor uh, in these days. Obviously, back in the 1800s, they seemed to be a little bit nicer about them. Uh, Cornell points out, though, that uh, the popular press of the time did not like the immigrant Irish population that lived in St. Giles. So, if any misbehaviour... Um, it would have been reported. So it does suggest that possibly there wasn't any, um, but the fact that hundreds of people died afterwards, there's a difference between getting drunk and misbehaviour as well. So that's another thing to to uh, bear in mind. The area surrounding the rear of the brewery showed a scene of desolation, presents a most awful and terrific experience equal to that of a fire or an earthquake which may be supposed to the occasion watchmen at the brewery charged people to view the remains of the destroyed beer vats and several hundreds of spectators came to view the scene which is weird i think that people actually uh paid to look at a disaster and the brewery which had pretty much lost everything managed to make more money out of people just wanting to see what an exploded beer vat looks like which is strange the mourners killed in the cellar were given their own wake at the ship public house in Bambridge Street the other bodies were laid out in a nearby yard by their families and the public came to see them and donated money for their funerals collections were taken more widely for the family so there was a few obviously collections that were going around um i don't know if this is something that's done worldwide or if this is just a british thing but we do tend to do that in this country is is sort of pass the jar around if if someone's obviously passed away um and the family's a little bit poorer people tend to sort of chip in to help out with the funeral because as i'm sure we all are aware funerals are very very expensive The coroner's inquest uh, was held on the 19th of October 1814 and George Hodgson, the coroner for Middlesex, oversaw proceedings and the details of the victims were read out. Eleanor Cooper, age 14, Mary Mulvey, age 30, Tommy Murray, who was Mary Mulvey's son, age 3, Hannah Bamfield, aged 4, Sarah Bates, aged 3, Anne Savile, age 60, Elizabeth Smith, age 27, and Catherine Butler, age 65. Hodgson took the jurors to the scene of the events where they viewed the the brewery and the bodies before evidence was taken from witnesses. The first witness was George Crick, who had seen the event happen in full. His brother was one of the men who had been injured at the brewery. Crick said that the hoops on the vats failed three or four times a year, but without any previous problems. Accounts were also heard from Richard Horse, the landlord of the Tavistock Arms, whose barmaid had been killed in the accident, and several others. 
The jury returned the verdict that the eight had lost their lives casually, accidentally and by misfortune. As the coroner's inquest reached the verdict of an act of God, Mo and Co did not have to pay any compensation. Nevertheless, the d- the disaster and the loss of the porter, the damage to the building and the replacement of the vat cost the company £23,000. After a private petition to Parliament, they recovered £7.25, so £7,250,000 from HM Excise, which is basically a company just basically to buy them out of money um, which saved them from going bankrupt so if it wasn't for that this would have bankrupted the company and the horseshoe brewery went back into business soon after it closed in 1921 when mo moved their production to the nine elms brewery in wandsworth which they had purchased in 1914 at the time of its closure the site covered 103,000 square feet and the brewery was demolished the following year by the Dominion Theatre which was later built on the site. Mo and Co went into liquidation in 1961 as a result of an accident large wooden tanks were phased out across the industry and were replaced with concrete lined vessels. So that's a strange story I think it's uh a bit upsetting i think in the sense that you know obviously there were there were victims uh there was no compensation it was quite clearly um the brewery's fault if the metal bands failed quite regularly i find it strange that they were allowed to fail you know surely if they were failing someone should have picked up on it someone should have you know sorted it out um i think it's a bit a bit harsh especially on the families i think uh something as simple as offering to pay for the funerals would probably have gone a long way um but yeah you know people died and and this is classed as an act of god even though there was actually someone to blame but yeah this was the episode i was going to do <laughs> um this was the episode that was planned with the picture obviously uh putting the wrong picture up meant you had to get the molasses flood uh, a couple of days earlier so this one uh, should be coming to you a couple of days after the molasses flood um i don't know why i'm saying that saying it like it's you know talking that's a really silly thing to say of course it's come to you a couple of days after not it is coming to you anyway you guys know what i'm talking about and i'm glad you do because this is why you come back every week for my random ramblings of rubbish that come <laughs> that come out um but yeah you know i hope you guys actually enjoyed this episode like i said both episodes were quite short episodes i could have put them both together um but i think it's a little bit better when you do it like this i think you get a little bit more out of it um and yeah i hope you guys have enjoyed this episode uh same as always at the end a little bit of housekeeping um, get yourselves over to this week in history patreon 
um, where you can join us and get all of these episodes ad-free plus the extra uh, episodes available to you. And for those of you who are interested, drop me an email, twihpod at gmail.com. That is the link for PayPal and it is also where you can get hold of me for my tip jar. There is a link of that put on the Facebook group as well. So if you are interested in just leaving us uh, a dollar, uh, if, you know, if, if you left me a dollar for every time you really enjoyed an episode, uh, it's not a huge amount, and hopefully that will help my podcast grow um, and just invest back into myself getting better equipment and hopefully making these shows a little bit better for you guys. So thank you very much for listening and we shall see you next time. And remember, we all have history. Make yours great. Bye-bye. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Not running your business on NetSuite is like trying to sink a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system, giving you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, budgeting, and more all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com go. netsuite.com go. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com.